Hey there, Subscription Box Basics fam. Julie here, and I've got some super exciting news for you. My favorite event of the year is happening in less than two months. For those of you who don't know, it's called Sub Summit, and it's the conference for Subbox businesses. Renee and I are going to be there, and you could potentially join us for free. You can learn more at subsummit.com, but don't wait too long because ticket prices are going up soon. Come on, let's make some memories together at Sub Summit. So, you want to launch a subscription box and don't know where to start? Girl, you are in the right place. I'm Julie Ball, a subscription box coach, and your host here at Subscription Box Basics, a podcast for new and aspiring subscription box entrepreneurs that want to avoid overwhelm. So grab a coffee, some pen and paper, and let's have some fun. Hey, and welcome back to Subscription Box Basics with Julie Ball. That's me. I'm your host. And this is episode 23, where we're talking to Mario Barrett from CrateJoy. He's the Senior Director of Seller Success. And this is the second episode of three, where he is kind of pulling back the curtain and giving us some details on what the data tells them and what he sees as some of the most successful tactics. So we're jumping right back into the conversation with Mario. Okay, Mario. So what's one of your favorite things about working in the subscription box industry? I have so many favorite things. Um, <laughs> Me too. <laughs> so I, I just, I'll go with two though. So the first favorite thing I have are, for the most part, every subscription box we work with is a small business. Oh, it's, a sole yeah. pro- it's a sole proprietor. It's someone trying to like hustle that. and make it. And like, if you talk to anyone at CreateJoy, like we are, we just like love that. We, we love helping. We love to build things that help you actually be successful. And uh, we don't say it anymore, but our motto used to be like, um, like we want to help people quit their jobs, basically. Like we want to help right. them like build a business to yes. go out and do what they love and that, like have that passion. And like, it's it's why I like getting on the phone with sellers because I like to hear what they're doing. I like to learn about oh my gosh, like how'd you solve the situation? That's a crazy thing you're going through right now, mm-hmm. and it, it's just exciting. And that's what I love about it because I get to work with a ton of small businesses and watch them grow and be successful. And it shows me that it doesn't matter who you are or what you're selling, you can make it. You just have to like really find that fit and serve a customer's like real pain point or need mm-hmm. and you can make it. You don't have to have like some like advanced fancy degree or skill set. It's just like, just go hustle and like do a good job. It's, yes. like, it's, it's actually kind of, it's not that simple, but it is that simple. Right. Um, but it's also like the variety. The other thing I like are the variety of boxes we see out there. I mean, it's just, it is shocking at how many different types of subscription boxes there are. I, I'm, I'm telling you when, when we talk to people like that don't know about Crate Joy, like, oh yeah, oh you it's a subscription box marketplace and mm-hmm. and the SaaS tool, like, whoa, how many do you guys have? Like a hundred and two? Like, no, we have like three thousand boxes on the marketplace. It's like crazy to think there are that many out there. And there are way more than that outside of Crate Joy. So right. it's it's just seeing like how people are are actually approaching this and like redoing the model all the time, how they're trying to connect with customers. Because you, if you uh, read a lot of stories a couple of years ago, it was like, oh, there's so much saturation in subscription boxes. It's on, on the decline. Like we're seeing the absolute opposite. While you might not have the volume of people starting, you're actually having a, having a, a higher volume of people being more successful because mm. they're finding their niches, they're finding their customers, and they're actually like really fine-tuning the products and growing. Which is so important. You can't try to please everybody. You've got to fine-tune it and really niche down. I, I always talk about that um, so that your exact target audience should know immediately when they see it. This was made just for me. Oh yeah. Like if, 
if you ever hear Amir, so Amir's our CEO, if, mm-hmm. if you ever hear him talk about this, like he uses this like Shetland pony example because you can provide a box to people who love Shetland ponies from all over the world and they will <laughs> immediately connect with that is the product for me. Like that's yeah. like, it's like a box for people who have pet, like pet pigs. Like, <laughs> I mean, like there, there are those boxes and I you're know. like, oh my God, <laughs> you're like, oh my God, I have a pet pig. I should get this box. I should get like, this box. Like, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. It's kind of, it, it's crazy. It's cool though. I know. It's fun to see all the variety out there. So thank you for that. Um, let's dive into our topic, which is overcomplicating your product. <sighs> yeah. Yes. So this is a thing where we, when we launch a business, sometimes we just, we get overzealous and we get really excited and we want to give all the people all the things, but it's just going to be a disaster. And so you have to, as we talked about, you really have to niche down and solve that pain point. And how do you do that? Which products are you going to provide? What um, are you going to provide a community? Are you going to provide what type of inserts and proprietary materials? So it can get exhausting if you try to do too much. I agree. It is absolutely overwhelming. Um, A subscription box is actually a very difficult thing to do. Uh, it's it's not an e-commerce store. Right? Mm-hmm. It's not like you're you're, bu- you're not buying a hundred T-shirts and just letting them sell. One right. One. There's so many moving parts. Right. You're doing everything too. Your your <laughs> operation. So your sourcing, your merchandising, your operations, mm-hmm. your support, your logistics, your marketing. Your like literally every single thing in one, and it changes every single month. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like oh great. Um, but yeah. So the, on the complication side, we see the the boxes that we see that usually fail are the ones that do like what you said too much for too many people. They try mm-hmm. to be like, Oh, I'm going to have seven different tiers of this box and each box is going to have 19 products. So I'm going to have, you know, 2,900 like variations. variations. <laughs> and you're like, good luck. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Good luck. Like that's, we, we want you to be successful, but we just see the data that it's, it's very hard to do that. And, it, and you see the same thing. Like, trying to change terms too. So they want to give people the opportunity to buy weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, uh, bi-monthly, yeah. quarterly. Like, okay, those are all different products. At the end of the day, that's a different product you have to source and actually deliver on. And you will be overwhelmed doing a monthly box, I guarantee you, mm-hmm. because it goes faster than you think. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That cycle every time, I swear it's like Groundhog's Day, you know? Oh yeah. And it just, as soon as you finish packing and shipping, it's like on to the next thing. Oh yeah, I I used to pack boxes in my living room. Uh, I'm Me sure too. That, that, I, yeah, it resonates with people. And I remember packing 500 boxes in the living room takes a long time. It does. It, pr- just printing the labels takes a long time, and it makes and then, a mess. <laughs> yeah, and you're like, oh my gosh! And be, so before you even like get out to a fulfillment center, you have to realize you have to store this inventory. You mm-hmm. have to manage this. The simpler it is is the easier it is for you to actually like deliver on and mm-hmm. then the more targeted you can be with who you're actually trying to like sell to. So as a um, consumer, I feel like we get decision fatigue too. If you yeah. give them too many options, then you might lose the sale. Um, so what, from the data, pers- from a data perspective, can you tell us anything about like how many terms to offer or how many variations to offer? Yeah. So um, if you went back to CreateJoy 1.0, we had just about every option in the subscription world. Like turn, like you could literally run the most complicated business you ever wanted to. Ugh. And the data, <laughs> I know. So the, what the data showed is that 
the most successful boxes, which means the most likelihood for survival and growth, were mm-hmm. monthly turned boxes. Okay. Mo- monthly you hear boxes. Hear that, people? Yeah. Monthly boxes. <laughs> monthly that ship either on a like month to month or a three, six, or 12 month prepay schedule. We used to do nine months. That just never worked. People didn't use it. People didn't buy it. Huh. Um, but it's that is what people are, I guess, conditioned to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can do quarterly. And there are plenty of successful quarterly boxes out there. The we, we get this question a lot. So everyone wants mm-hmm. to do like a seasonal quarterly box, which right. is hot. Like people want to do that. They want to ship. In, and so maybe I should back up. Quarterly is, means two things. You either ship every three months from the day of the purchase. So that's a like quarterly ad hoc. So that's just like, oh, every three months you get a box. Or mm-hmm. you ship four dates every year. So right. you ship like whatever, December 1st, um, and whatever the, everyone's on that December 1st shipment. And so that would be like the winter box, the spring box. Yep. It's the summer box, the fall box. So those are very popular and those can do very well. The the things that the trade-offs are, you are only touching that customer four times a year with a product, mm-hmm. which means you're only doing four renewals a year. So your cash flow has to be like really big if you're trying to run that type of business. And you you can make it work, but we find that you lose interaction with the customer between shipments. Yeah. So you're not that, top of mind. Uh, Right. So unless you have a really like robust marketing plan and communication plan to actually start to communicate and touch them and like mm-hmm. engage them with the community online, we see it as like most of those boxes just didn't make it. They just yeah. weren't able to sustain. They didn't have the cash flow. The the month to month was actually pretty popular because you get cash flow every single month. And like across the board, we usually see 70-ish percent of people are month to month subscribers. The rest are prepays. That's pretty much across the board that I've seen um, as I look at the data. Hmm. And that gives you cash flow every single month to not only pay yourself for the time, but you're touching people every month. So you're renewing uh-huh. them. You're talking about that. You're sending them updates about this is what you're getting. This is what you had. You're trying to solicit feedback. And you're able to make more um, more cycles uh, throughout the year, uh-huh. which that's good. They may not be as big as like a three-month charge because in a three-month box, you can put a ton of value and charge a lot of money. Right. But I think you're also limiting your buyer pool. Um, it, it's, there's, there's definitely a trade-off with each. I, I can't say one's better than the other, except I say, I say that more people are successful at the month to month. Right. From the data. Um, from the data. Um, if you're a big time influencer or you're like Kim Kardashian, yeah, right. you can absolutely launch a quarterly seasonal box. You're you can put your name on anything. And right. Like it's, <laughs> yeah. Like you have to like know yourself, your potential audience and what your cash flow needs are and like really kind of understand like what would work for you. Yeah. Um, so when it comes to overcomplicating so yeah. things, let's talk about operations. So if you have, say you have 10 products. So we at Sparkle Hustle Grow, we put four to six items and yep. that feels like enough to, you know, I'm, I'm always looking to reach out to a vendor here, chasing this vendor here. Is the disorder come in on time? Um, I can't imagine having twice as many products or three times as many products. The more products that you have to fulfill, the more legwork there is with vendors, communication, stuff like that. But also mm-hmm. in, you know, like you said, um, having the space to do that, actually fulfilling, putting together the boxes, it becomes really, really overwhelming and very time consuming as you continue to add more and more things to your box. Yes. And okay. Operationally, let's say you have 10 products. 
and you have 25 subscribers, you're a newbie, you're crushing it. You have, what is that? 10 times 25, 250 different products right. in, your, in your house in month one. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's say you forecasted like 10% over. So you have a couple more, more for a couple extra boxes and you right. do 25 every month throughout the year. At the end of that year, you're going to have 120 different products times two boxes. You're going to have what is whatever, like 240 different SKUs just floating around your mm-hmm. house that you're going to have to figure out what to go do with. So let's say you want to sell them online. Now you have 120 one-time products online to try to go sell. Or you can try to like obviously give those boxes to influencers or reviewers. Mm-hmm. But I mean, what you see is like this just compounds over time. And when you go to pick and pack, you go to kit, anything like that, like you're grabbing more SKUs, you're keeping things in more places, you have to store it. It's just way more complicated. And then you have 120 different vendors, like you said, to communicate with. If you ever want to go back to that, I'm like, okay, so where's my spreadsheet? Which one was that? Yeah. yeah, like it's... <laughs> It, it just like makes it super complicated. So you want to, you definitely want to simplify. You don't want to have the other thing within like, let's say you have 10 products in two different boxes that have like a variation of different products in them. Mm-hmm. That just really complicates it. Yeah. Like I, I, I ran, trust me, my first box I started, I wanted to have like 27 different products. I was like, right. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm going to, so excited. Yeah, if someone doesn't want this one, they'll have that one and they'll have that one and optionality like wins. And then I was like, wait a second. No, I guess yeah. it would take you a week to order that. At the beginning, I thought about putting in sized items like t-shirts or, um, you know, something like that. But as I got deeper into it, I'm like the operational nightmare of me trying to manage all of those variations and me trying to buy the right number of smalls, mediums, larges. It just seemed really overwhelming to me. Um, it might come a, lot, a little bit more naturally to someone who maybe runs a boutique and then they want to add another stream of revenue as a subscription box. I think that it would be really, really a good idea. But for yeah. me, I, that's why we don't use sized items at all. We don't offer it in our boxes. Um, not only don't we, ha- we don't have the space for it in our small six by nine by three boxes, but I just operationally, I just couldn't put my head around trying to figure out to making sure that one, someone got the right size and two, I didn't want to be in the business of returns and exchanges. Yes. That's yes. I usually don't see people get size and right until they hit scale um, because then they, mm. like, they kind of know within like a, like a percentage of like, what they need to order every month and order a couple months in advance where mm-hmm. they have like a really good supplier locally that can like deliver to their warehouse. It's, it is so complicated. I, I wouldn't touch sizes. Like I, I'd be too scared of that. It's so complicated unless you're like, like you said, like a, a boutique or someone that has like that type of inventory they can pull from and they're more comfortable mm-hmm. with it. I think it's very difficult. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. I think um, I, it's not to say that it can't happen. So if you're, if you're thinking about that and you're listening, we're not saying don't do that. We're just trying to get you to think about, um, think about like as you scale, is this going to be feasible so one thing that I did at the beginning is I got some of my products and I would repackage them, maybe put them in a different box or label them or something like that. And while that was feasible in the early stages when I only had, say, 50 or 150 boxes, I just knew it wasn't scalable. So that was one of those things that I knew I would have to kind of pivot as I grew. So I just wanted to share that little story. And then I guess, Mario, the last question is from the data I always love getting information from the data. <laughs> um, do you have any 
clue as to like the typical number of products that is successful? Like how many products are the most successful boxes putting in their box? Uh, so this is a, at a volume level. So not like the most successful box or okay. any of that. It's usually between four and seven is what mm-hmm. we see. It's like the volume. Like okay. most people have four to seven products. Not, it's always category dependent, but across the board, the ones that are doing well, they're either doing an experience that like, hey, here's a kit that you actually work on, like a craft. Mm. Or if they're doing more of that lifestyle, like curated box, they're, I mean, it's not just like lifestyle that's specific for that audience, but they're doing like anywhere between four and seven products. To okay. Get the value. Yeah. Got it. Okay, cool. So uh, do you have any other closing advice about overcomplicating your product other than don't over- <laughs> overcomplicate your product? That is the only advice I have. Do not <laughs> overcomplicate. Like when in one area, deliver one type of very simple product uh-huh. to a very like passionate audience that wants to buy it and loves it and then start to get more complicated. But you have to own something first. Yeah. And, and that, that way you have like the right to sell other things. Awesome. Like I say right near quotes, but right. Right, right, right. No, that's good advice. Okay. Well, thank you so, so much again for chatting with us on this topic. And guys, make sure you tune in to the next episode when we're going to talk about getting feedback on your box and what to do with it. 